Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Who Knows with Brendan McClory. Um, on this episode of Who Knows, we have my good buddy, Stephen Kipp. We used to work together at a film production company called Flightless Bird Creative. Um, we've done a bunch of film work together. I've worked on comedy sketches with him. He's a producer. He's a writer. He's a stand-up comedian. He's just he's just a really awesome dude. And uh, I was really happy to get him on the podcast because I think you guys will think he's an awesome dude also. Um, but before that, we have to read an ad. Our first ad on the Who Knows podcast. So, um, yeah, our, <laughs> our first ad is uh, Light Wraps. Um, light wraps are these super cool stickers. My buddy Zach started the company. Um, they fit around Bic lighters, like a regular size Bic lighter, and they're all custom designs. He has like Pokemon car designs. He has Mario designs. He has, um, you know, prison, I think prison Mike. Is that the guy from the office? Uh, it's, it's, uh, Michael's guy with the purple bandana in the office. He got one of those. So <clears throat> if you're interested, go to at light wraps on Instagram. You'll be able to see a bunch of their designs on their Instagram. Throw them a follow. Very worth it. Awesome company. And uh, if you follow the link in their bio, it will bring you to a store on Etsy, I believe, is where their online store is located. And you'll be able to pick out your designs and they're like two bucks. So you can get like five of them and it's like 10 bucks. So that's super cool. And you can also get like the Pokemon designs. He has like the bulb, not wait, hang on. Ivysaur, uh, Blastoise and Charizard. Wow. Glad I remember that. And, uh, yeah, he sells those for like five bucks. So you save a couple of dollars on that. Anyway, <laughs> um, when you're checking out, if you use the code who knows, that's who <laughs> knows with no spaces, um, you'll receive 20% off your entire order. So that's super cool. Um, like I said, we love the guys. I get more compliments on my Charizard lighter than anything else in my life, which says something. But uh, yeah. So check out Light Wraps, and you know what? I think uh, I think we're ready for this episode. So we're gonna go ahead and roll the intro. All right, and here we are. We're here with Stephen Kipp, All the right. one and only. There's only one of me. <laughs> How are you, dude? Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm pumped to be here. We're in we're uh, in Brendan's garage. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we got a a big bookshelf next to us. This is an, a heck of a setup. Yeah, that's that's becoming a trend. Like I said, we're I might have to ask every guest to shout out the bookshelf because yeah. you're you're we're two for two here. Well, I mean, there's just an array of things on here to to be shouted out. Right. So yeah. funny. Funny story about the Edgewood Avenue sign. Ooh. We, uh, me and my buddy Joe were, we got, we, so my 
friend Kathy, we we're Ubered to her house. We got the wrong address. Mm-hmm. So we like, it was in like Oak Forest, but we went to like Payless instead or something like that. And I was so upset at the address situation that I jumped up and like hung on the, <laughs> the, the, on the street sign, sign. <laughs> yeah. and it ripped off. So no, that's a clean rip. Yeah, that is a clean rip. What? Yeah. That's why it's like on an angle. Cause like the bottom is like the piece of metal. That oh. is. <laughs> <laughs> that's impeccable though. Yeah. It was and nice. You just took it. <laughs> yeah. Because, and I showed up to Kathy's house with it and she lives on Edgewood Avenue, obviously, and she's oh, like, "You need to give me that." You need. I'm like, "No way!" I was like, "I literally just ripped this down." Yeah, take that. So that's, hopefully, there's a. Uh, hopefully, no one will be coming after me for uh, that. After that's this. like a, that's a big goal. I've had some friends who've always we've always plotted to take a street sign, never done it because we look at it and they're like, "Oh, we need tools that we don't have." Right. We. The closest thing we ever did to stealing a street sign was trying to steal a fire hydrant. <laughs> it wasn't like a not a live fire hydrant. There was a uh, oddly there was like a, a a fair going on, and it was after hours at this fair, and we were walking by or something and saw just a bunch of just spare fire hydrants like empty you know not connected to anything like full metal fire hydrants big metal fire hydrants and i was with two friends aj and dan and they were like all right we're taking one of the fire hydrants we had to jump i jumped over a fence and they're like just toss it and it weighs like (laughs) 300 pounds yeah right i just could not and we tried to roll it under the fence Couldn't do it. So was I've, there alcohol involved with that story? No, this was wow. like sober high school moment. Oh, I think so. Just high school was involved. Yeah, high school exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, and then later on in the party, it was like a New Year's party, so there was alcohol involved. And then me and like Kathy and like there was just a parade of people like, let's go take my sign down. <laughs> and like there was like people standing on shoulders and like. And I guess, I don't know. I guess Did I it just work? had the magic. No, no. Oh, <laughs> we like bent it a little bit, but <laughs> never were able to get it down. This, I think there was like someone's hands got like cut from like trying to Gosh. rip it down. Yeah, not the move. So yeah, we're, we're big into vandalism around here on the, uh, yeah, on right. the Who Knows podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Who Knows? I forgot forgot about the title. Heck yeah. Yeah. Well, how did that, if I may ask, if is how did that title come about? Um, I was... Stuck on a title for a very long time. If you listen to the first episode, it's I still didn't have a title yeah. when I was talking to Jake. And uh, I don't know. It like kind of popped into my head. I was like, I mean, it, it was like, who I, who knows what I'm going to call it? And then I was like, oh, wait. There you go. But I also like, because I want to, obviously I want to have like good guests. So it's kind of a twofold name because I want to be talking to people who know things about the things I want to learn about. Mm-hmm. So who knows about X? Right. And then, of course, they're like, ah, who knows? You know? Yeah. That's so. a good combo. Yeah. And with the episode titles being people's names. It's right. Like the audience. I mean, who yes. knows Stephen Kip? Stephen Kip knows. Nobody. <laughs> no one knows me. All right. So here we'll but see. But people are going to get to know you, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. And if you hear any crackling, yeah. it's a... Some ASMR for you. We always have water bottle sound effects. Always Last water. time, me and my buddy Connor had like Yetis with ice in them. <laughs> yeah. So I was just like, ching, ching. crinkle them around yeah. some of this. 
I don't know. That could be super grating, whatever I'm doing right now. It's my, right. We'll we'll fix it in post. Fix it in post. Actually, <laughs> with this the blue microphone here, my girlfriend bought one of these because she's into ASMR. Really? And, yeah. What and, it, What is like into ASMR? Like she does ASMR? She listens to it all the time and does it as well. So why? Like serious question. Why? Because she is. Uh, she always talks about the tingles. It's like a. It's an ASMR thing that. If you listen to, I mean, if a good ASM artist, they're called ASMR. You know that feeling when you're 40 minutes into recording a podcast with someone and you look down at your recorder and realize that it's turned off? You don't. Well, I do. And that's exactly what happened here. You're about to hear us jump right back into conversation about 40 minutes after the last thing you just heard. Big shout out to Stephen Kip for dealing with my stupid, stupid idiot behavior. Back to the episode. And we're back. We're back. Because I'm a big, dumb, dumb idiot. <laughs> <laughs> that is, this is the way it happens. So nobody knows at home because Stephen was just talking about ASM artists <laughs> and was abruptly cut short. Rudely interrupted. Um, there was a mishap with our recorder and we lost, what, what would you say? A good 15, yeah. 15 minutes of, of uh, quality fifth, content. Yeah. Of quality conversation that the world will never hear again. Yeah. <laughs> Unless Maybe we it's just, for the best. Yeah. But. <laughs> yeah. We went in deep on ASMR. So <laughs> yeah, <just> we did. <laughs> whatever, whatever that puts, you know, whatever image that puts in your yeah. head. So yeah. Look it up on Wikipedia yeah. or I don't know, do your own research, but, yeah. uh, yeah, so where were we, Stephen? We were talking uh we were talking content. <laughs> yes, we were. We were talking yes, your LinkedIn LinkedIn influencer yes, character. Yes, LinkedIn influencer. So, for those that don't know, Stephen has a a character. Yeah. That he plays on LinkedIn. He makes a bunch of videos and you are the LinkedIn influencer. The LinkedIn influencer, loosely inspired by Gary V. Yeah. I don't know how to say his last name. Gary Vaynerchuk. Vaynerchuk. Yeah. With if you're listening, Gary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Gary's tuning into the podcast. Yeah. Episode three. Actually, he follows me on Twitter. Gary V follows you on Twitter? Yes. What? I swear. How did that happen? Um I like I'm like a big fan of his. Um like like I said, I like I think he's hilarious his whole like just, you know, yeah. pretty much exactly what you're making fun of on LinkedIn. Yeah. I think that's hilarious. Like, fuck what your parents say. Just do it. You know, <laughs> I, I I like was super into that. And then I was like, OK, that's kind of wild. But I love like his marketing perspective. I have yeah. a bunch of marketing books from him. And yeah, he's he's the man. Dude's crazy. But yeah, successful. he uh, I forget. It was like just like me, like engaging with him on Twitter. It was just like. He like tweeted something and I like replied and literally he didn't even like say anything. He he like followed me and then replied to my tweet and just wow. said followed. And I was Dang. like, wow, jeez, <laughs> that's that's cool. Good for him though for interacting with the yeah know, his followers. Yeah, he's got like I don't know. He's got like a million Twitter followers. Yeah, I bet. And he follows like fourteen thousand. Wow, your boy's one of them. I, so. That's that's. <laughs> high praise yeah so well and i always think like all right i'm gonna have to cash in that trip at some yeah. point i'm gonna have to throw a tweet out and he's gonna get a notification for it <laughs> you definitely i mean 
got to wait for the right moment yeah but absolutely right. give that a shot yeah nothing to lose but yeah it's that's pretty cool i told he i haven't seen i mean i've i watched some of his videos for inspiration every once in a while but i feel like my character is mainly ripping on people who followed after him because you know he's yes he's successful and he for the most i mean he seems to know what he's talking about. Right. Then here come a big group of people who don't really know what they're talking right. about, but have the same energy of just yelling at you. Right. And just get up. Crazy. Just do it. Yeah. yeah it's just yeah. the expectations are wild. So, yeah, that's the LinkedIn influencer character was born out of just this. He's a guy, and I, he's a guy who is not, doesn't have the success to back up what he's talking about. Right. And, but. Also, just misunderstands what his purpose is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All of his advice is misguided, but he thinks that it's brilliant, and just ends up asking way too much out of it. Right. Man. I watched one of your last LinkedIn videos, and it was just you at the office. You were just walking around the office, and you're going, "Just work. Yeah. Just work. <laughs> just get up. Work, and work. more. Yeah, yeah. It's not about quality. It's quantity. <laughs> yeah. Just more time in the office. Right." That's an easy way to think of material for it, too, is to just think of what is bad, what are bad work habits. You right, know? yeah. It's, there's a, I read some article about how uh, someone was making a case for maybe we should move to a four-day work week or stuff like this because it's healthier right. for your sanity and just you actually are more productive. Right, because France did it first. Yeah, yeah. exactly, and you know, it works really well for some people. And so then basically just look at that and like, you know what, that's maybe some good advice. What's the opposite of that advice? Yeah, right. <laughs> and that becomes what the character thinks. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah. My uh my old boss like writes these used to like write these blogs and he was like I would like bring up like Gary V and it's like in like a strategy, like, well well Gary V says to mm-hmm. do blah blah blah. But I would obviously try not to do it as often as possible because I didn't want him to know that I was getting all my strategies from a from Gary Instagram B. influencer. <laughs> um, but he he like hated it, and he like wrote like a couple blogs. Like he wrote a blog on the four day work week about like, oh well, that would never work because of this reason and this reason. And I was yeah, like, dude, you're just a stick in the mud. You're just <laughs> boring, too boring. Which to well now we can tie in. Brendan and I were to to let the audience in. We were just chatting before this, and we're like, "Wait, we can't talk about this interesting thing because we got to save it." Yeah, for- <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we were we found out we I'm reading a book that he read called oh, Sapiens. Yes, yes. Sapiens is an incredible book so far. And uh, how far are you? Maybe a hundred and twenty-five pages, okay. something like that. So maybe you know about a quarter of the way in. Yeah. So you're getting you're I'm, getting into it. I'm in the thick of the agricultural revolution. Love so, it. So the book is all about human evolution. You know, just from the the very beginning, and I assume takes you up to around modern times. I don't even. Yeah. Know. And well, just speaking of how. Uh, you know, if people saying, oh, the five day work week and we have to work more and all this kind of thing. And I every once in a while think I should just be a farmer or I yeah, just screw yeah. it. I just, yes. you know, let's go back to hunting and just get rid. Of, I have the thought every once in a while when our Wi-Fi goes down at the office, I'm like, you know what? What if it just get rid of the Internet? Just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then maybe we'd be better. 
and reading the book is making me think about it because this guy was talking about hunter gatherers and you'd think that oh they had to be hunting all the time and just constantly terrified and not to glamorize it obviously it was a tough life but it seemed like it was a pretty normal work day right hunting in the morning and afternoon and then you're chilling and playing games and whatever else yeah <laughs> whatever early humans did for fun my brother said that the other day he like had a really shitty day at work and he came home and he's like why can't we just all be hunter gatherers yeah. <laughs> i'm like that's that's a good point have that thought every once in a while i mean it's, but yeah not and a bad life. It's crazy, like, because I feel like there's we're reaching a point where, like, biologically we evolved to be that. We, like, hunter-gatherers, like, yeah. kill what we eat and, like, da-da-da. But, like, now we're at a point where, like, we sit in front of a computer screen all day. And, like, yeah. I feel like our brains are just like, what's going on? <laughs> like, like, there's so much, like, anxiety going on because there's not actual conflicts. They're all, like, passive-aggressive, like, oh, is he angry at me? It's like, I don't know. I feel like it, we're at a point where it's, like, our our bodies and our brains are, like, confused about, yeah. like, fighting our conscious minds. Well, it's true. Not to get too high thoughts no on we're going deep <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. this is the philosophical episode <laughs> yeah yeah i'm down but it's i have the same thought where we it seems that uh it's just bringing on so much anxiety because yeah thinking worrying about things that essentially aren't even real right where when you think uh, this uh, this whole reading this book is making me just get so analyzing life in general yeah like dude you know what's what's important right right for these people what's important was just making sure you eat and sleep and you know your family's not getting eaten by wolves yeah right protect the people you love and just go on and you know whatever else you can do but he had a really good line that was uh um paraphrasing it something about how the farther on we go, the more that luxuries become necessities. Right. And that's totally where we're at. We're just the internet. Yeah. People would literally lose their shit if Netflix didn't exist anymore. Just if the whole internet broke, can it, can the internet break? Can it go away? Is it, I, I don't even know. I don't know. <laughs> I, I want to say no, hopefully because there's like a, just a guy with like, yeah, that's the internet. Yeah. <laughs> like, unplug it. Yeah. <laughs> like, but what's holding it up? What's keeping the internet afloat? There has to be, cause it, there has to be some source or sources right. that are keeping it alive. That if enough of us decided to go hit with baseball bats, <laughs> yeah. it, would, it, would, it would break. It's like storm area 51 yes. would make a campaign to break the internet. There was, I don't, I forget what it was called, but there was a show I watched it. I watched like five episodes, one of those shows where it's like, oh wait, this sucks. So I'm going to stop watching it. (laughs) But that's like what happened. Like the internet broke and then there was like chaos ensued. There was like, uh, you know, like a anarchy Mm -hmm. type situation. And like where the show picked up is like, oh, we're like. We're farming now and like they all ride horses and like what and like for some reason like there was no more like guns or bullets or anything because of the so, internet yeah yeah something like that like the yeah like gun manufacturers like it was again a weird show so people were like walking around with like swords and shit and like riding horses <laughs> but yeah. it does i mean the 1950s didn't have the internet right no yeah people right. were driving cars <laughs> yeah There's well just, yeah we totally regress right 
It might, I, it would be interesting to think. You just take out the internet. I mean, a lot of jobs go away. That's one yes. downside. So that would stink. But Mine then, and yours. Yeah, both of our <laughs> jobs. Well, unless, yeah, unless we can do commercials for TV. Yeah, right. But you got to be one of the, the big old fashioned production companies right. in New York or LA to do that. Yeah, who knows? That'd be wild. But yeah, plug for Sapiens. Yeah. <laughs> Good book. So what did you get to? I don't want to like spoil anything, but I want to yeah. like talk about it. So I think he explained this in the first like 100 pages or so. Mm-hmm. Like how like different like Europeans and like in Asia, like we might actually be like a different. Oh, air conditioning. <laughs> actually like evolved differently yeah i he i think i know what you're talking about just basically the or at least as much as i read was that um yeah different species of human were growing right. growing up in different parts of the world and that i mean we our whole species is homo sapiens but as much as he said that i can remember was that he was talking about how it was contended whether humans breeded with neanderthals right he's like pretty sure that some of us did so some of us might have some neanderthal in us yeah Yeah. (laughs) and like my ex the dude that i one of my roommate right now he's according to like he's a neanderthal (laughs) (laughs) he's a a full neanderthal i'm ruining it's a he's a chimpanzee yeah yeah He's, he said that anse- either Ancestry.com or one of those said that he was like 1-2% Neanderthal. Are you serious? Yeah, it picked up on it. I don't oh, wow. Know, don't know how, but that's cool genes to yeah. have. Yeah, well, because that's like what he said in the book. He's like, the reason, like, he's like, this science isn't really talked about or, like, discussed within, just because it would, I think the phrase he used was like, it would be like a political, like, atom bomb. Like, yeah. Like, just... Like, right. wh- like once people are able to actually say like, no, because he's a different color than me, that means he's like actually different. That's like obviously bad news yeah, for everybody. Gives people too much license to just be idiots. Right. Yeah, no, that's true. He did talk about that. And the other thing that somewhat related that I didn't, I mean, I, I, went into this knowing nothing and right. he's talking about he's just that there are different species of human even is already blowing my brain right but the one thing that hit me really hard as he's talking about homo erectus was and he i think he even made a comment he's like funny name now but yeah yeah <laughs> get yeah. over it <laughs> homo erectus uh, was a species of human that lived the longest two million years they're around and he had a line that was uh they were that's the longest a human species has ever lived and will ever live. He's like, we have been around for how, however many thousands or hundreds of thousands of years. Right. And he's like, and we are not going to beat them. <laughs> Which, oh, yes. Yeah. He's yes. like, we got a couple thousand more in the tank. Right. And then we are done. They won already. It's like no one's beaten Wayne Gretzky's records. Yeah, right. <laughs> we can't beat them. Well, I was... I've heard like multiple times in the last couple of weeks and it was just like kind of like slipped in there. Like I was listening to one podcast and then I saw like something I was reading like a, I don't know, like a blog or something. And it, 
they're literally like it's like a fact that like we only have like a certain amount of harvests left like like wow actually like 60 years worth of harvests like our soil is getting so nutrient deficient that like Whoa. in 60 years we're not gonna be able to grow anything with our ground no way <laughs> i swear well there you go yeah <laughs> and so and obviously it's well, I don't even know, obviously. Hopefully, it's being worked on. <laughs> but, but yeah, I was just like, wait, that's like when I'm 80. Yeah, like, that's, that's not, not like my great-great-grandkids. Like, oh, we're ruining the planet for our kids. I'm like, well, no. I For me, too. I like tomatoes, too. <laughs> I That's not a stat I've heard. Yeah, that's it's that'd be something. Wild. I have no idea. I'm talking out of my ass, but like I said. I heard on a podcast, so it must be true. Yeah. <laughs> Just like everything we say now has to be exactly true. Yes. But ScientificAmerican.com. Ooh, that sounds... Only 60 years of farming left if soil degradation continues. Holy crap. Yeah. 60 years. Well... See, this is why we need like a guide that I can be like, hey, look this up and then in five minutes pitch in when yeah, you exactly. found the actual, <laughs> the, the actual quote. But that's, I mean... So then, what do you, you either figure out a new way to plant right. things? Well, then they're talking about like hydroponics and like all that, and they're like our alternative solutions, but like they're not fleshed out yeah. at all yet. So sounds like kind of the the status of all of the the problems right now. Yeah, it's like we, you know, we got some ideas for energy solutions, but right, eh, we'll see. Well, yeah, and that's kind of what goes back to like me saying like we're we're not biologically evolved to be doing any of this. Like we're just literally destroying the yeah. entire world. Just like really we are killing it. the world. <laughs> yeah. That is absolutely what's going uh, on. Yeah. Like, yeah. This water bottle. Yeah. <laughs> going to be in a turtle's mouth Super in about <laughs> six months. <laughs> Unless we recycle that. Which I'm, we will. I am my, not to, not to shit on my building, but the building where I work doesn't recycle. That's brutal. So I've been collecting uh, card, whatever, I and mean, we get cardboard boxes and stuff like that. So I just collect them, and then once it's a big enough annoying pile, I have to drive it to the Chicago public recycling good bin. Honestly, just, good for you. I feel just too bad. And honestly, it's partly from reading this that's making me be like, Shh, oh, no. Right. We're, I was even, this is heretical for me as a Midwesterner. But I'm even trying to limit my meat, my meat intake. I am as well. Oh my gosh! Because I've watched a couple scary doc documentaries. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, and yeah, because it's like, well, this is just not sustainable. I like, saw just... yesterday. I was walking by the water tower, and there was a bunch of guys with you know those guy fox masks, like the uh, the V for oh, Vendetta yes, type yes. of mask. They were just wearing those and holding what looked like TVs that were just playing awful footage of like chickens being slaughtered. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like, all right, I'm not eating chicken yeah, soon now. Oh yeah. But, but yeah, I'm like the whole like vegan thing, like dirty word, but yeah, yeah I'm like the more and more I hear about it, the more and more I'm like, well, we should probably do that. Yeah. Like do your part. There was uh have you ever seen the documentary? It's called, uh, what is it? Cowspiracy. 
I, I I didn't watch it, but I saw the title. Basically, their claim is that like the meat and like dairy agriculture industries are like pretty much what led to global warming Damn. because like pretty much cow farts like actually <laughs> that's like they release methane and like heat up the atmosphere and it's horrible a lot and, of like, cows it's like they go into like how like the they like are chopping down the rainforests just to like give cows more like space to like feed and it's like yeah wow. it's like pretty insane well it's tough especially with my upbringing is I and I found out that this is strange. It's normal for Midwest, strange for anywhere else. But I would I drink milk with dinner, with yep. lunch. I drink milk by the glass. Yep. I just grew up. <laughs> yeah. That was n- so normal. Yes. We would get, I mean, I have a, there are five kids in my family, but still we would get, I think in our peak, like uh, how many gallons of milk? We'd get like something, eight to 10 gallons of milk per week. Yeah. And sometimes we'd have to go get more yes. on Sunday. We used to go through like a gallon a day. Probably. Yeah, just everyone's you got. I mean, cereal is one thing, and mixing it with right. your coffee, but just just, just glasses a glass of, of it. milk. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I'm trying to kick that now because you know I don't right. I don't need to be drinking glasses yeah. of cow juice. My brother, for the longest time, he was like, it was like one of those things he started in high school, just as like an angsty teenager. He was mm-hmm. just like. Who was the first guy to drink yeah. <laughs> milk from a cow? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but like, it's milk, so get over it. Same thing but with a lot of things. True, right? Who's the first person? To, you all kinds of weird, right? Even just eating, eating animals. Who was the first one to be like, I'll, I guess let's eat it. I'll eat it. Yeah, <laughs> like this, <laughs> this giant furry thing that's probably attacking you. And right. Like, so I don't know. Like, I don't know if I would have thought to not eat the fur if, if I was. <laughs> yeah, right. How do you know? Or what parts? That's just eat? hard to swallow. Yeah. <laughs> so there are generations that probably just were eating the wrong parts. Yeah, yeah, right. Figured it out after <laughs> thousands of years. Right. I always think about that too. Like, we have all this information on like what's poisonous and what isn't. Oh, yeah. Like, there, there had to have been handfuls of people that tried all the poisonous stuff to the exactly. point where everyone's like no that will kill you <laughs> that i know i know i would have been that character yeah <laughs> right like goes up to a berry tree and just kaput <laughs> yeah a week d- later you just have diarrhea yeah. and then two days later you're dead how would you know i don't it's amazing that they that we even evolved to the point where we could recognize yeah or smell it or whatever right. it is i heard that that's why uh Something about how sour foods for most people taste bad because the it's an indication that I mean, most berries in the wild or whatever that are poisonous probably had a sour taste, things like that, that it right. just makes you uh, dislike the taste naturally. And that we love sweet and salty because it was yeah. so hard to find. Oh, really? Yeah, that's at least what people, that's what I've heard. <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting. Which is wild. It's just like, well, yeah, but lemons are good, so we're just going to keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Cruise with that. Yeah. Yeah, it's... So, are you at any level, like, lactose intolerant? Oh, no. I'm the opposite. Me either. Yeah. I, like, I have friends that they'll, like, oh, yeah, like, I love eating, like, mean cheese, but I just, like, feel like shit after. I'm like... Mm -hmm. 
why would you eat that? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, I. That's it, it. For some people, it's motivation to not eat beef and red meat and cheese. You know, because right. it makes you feel crappy. I feel great. Yes, that's the problem. As I feel just as fantastic after milk and cheese, absolutely, as salad. Right, even better. Yeah, actually. sometimes. At least I feel full. Yeah, right. That's the problem. Yeah, salads. I feel like the salad game in America is pretty sad. Like lettuce, I've had like like my grandma makes like a really good salad somehow. Wow! And it's like the only good salad that I've ever had. And it's like why why is the whole lettuce with like shred carrot shreds <laughs> on top? Like why when did that become is like lettuce the typical? Yeah, the thing I don't is lettuce even good for you? It seems like it's 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 it tastes so like nothing and just seems to have no substance to it. Right. That I'm wondering if it's just kind of this paper that we're like, hey, it's at the, it's the base, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like rice. It just we holds just, the dressing. <laughs> yeah. That's all it is. It's like, all right, can we just ditch it? Right. Yeah. I don't know, man. So, so you're trying to limit your, your dairy. Is that like a conscious thing or you're just kind of like, eh, I mean, this is, I, Kind of made this declaration, I think, yesterday. Honestly, Whoa. yeah, I just it was because I hit a certain chapter in Sapiens that just, of course, really attacked. You <laughs> just, know, it's a good book when you're changing your eating yeah, habits. I'm ch- literally changing my life because of this book. But also, I mean, it was in conjunction with uh, just conversations I've been having with people, and it's all it's all adding up. Yeah, but I, I think the the space I'm going to inhabit is in my own personal food buying groceries when I go to eat somewhere, I'm going to try to avoid dairy and meat. And, you know, if I show up to a barbecue and it's like, we only have burgers, I'm not going to not eat. I'll still, you already made them, I'll eat them. But just in my own buying things, I'm going to try to limit it. Sure. And we'll see where, we'll see where it goes. Well, yeah, I was making... I was making breakfast this morning, and this kind of goes back to our, like, environment talk. Like, I was making breakfast this morning, and I was like, you know, going to saute some peppers, you know, some peppers and onions, make some breakfast tacos. Mm -hmm. And I, like, go in the fridge, and, like, there's three peppers in a plastic, like, container. Mm -hmm. Like, and I'm like... What happened to just like buying yeah. a pepper? Like, why does it need <laughs> to be like in a thing of plastic with a label on it? Be like, oh well, these are Mark's special peppers. Yeah, exactly. like it's like no, it's just the pepper. It just give us the food. Yeah, that's true. And I was like mad when I was like throwing out into the recycling because I'm a good guy. Heck yeah. When I was like throwing it out, I'm like, this is like ridiculous. Like, we're literally <laughs> still moving in the wrong direction. Like, yeah. And I don't know what what would be the solution for any of that. Yeah. Got Greta no. Greta Thunberg or whatever her name is needs to, <laughs> needs to get on that that, that little girl that screams <laughs> oh, at the president. It, it, she's like 16 years old, right? Mm-hmm. And she she's Time Magazine's Person of the Year. Yes, that is wild. Pretty I actually wild. I found that out a few days ago, and she uh. Yeah, she had a whole thing thing that was uh, she wants everyone to panic or whatever. They had yeah, some quote like that. And didn't didn't the Trump say something super <laughs> mean about her? Yeah, of, of course. We'll pull up the quote. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was like she needs to go watch. It was it was literally like she needs to go watch a movie or something. 
<laughs> like she needs to basically she needs to shut up and go watch a movie. Wow. Why does he care? What it doesn't affect him? Did she or unless she's shouting out at him? Oh no, she hates him. Oh, for sure. Well, I don't know. She's she's a kid. Like, let her be. It's yeah. It's the whole situation. It's like, dude, are you? Are you serious? Like yeah. th- this dude is. I don't know. It's not to get. Yeah. All, to... I'll pull it. I'll uh. I'll CNN on everyone. Yeah. To turn it into an SNL episode. Right. <laughs> yeah. For real. Just Trump See, city. And that's yeah. And that's kind of annoying too. But at the same time, it's like, well, I mean, I guess at least they're talking about it. Yeah. But like when it's all okay, here it is. Oh no, no. Gre- this is what Donald Trump tweeted. <laughs> Greta must work on her anger management problem, then go to a good old fashioned movie with a friend. <laughs> what? Wow! <laughs> the president. Yeah, th- that's the. Can you imagine any other? You know, take any other president in history, and them <laughs> getting into a fight with a teenager, right? Like Abraham Lincoln. Telling yeah. some random seriously hater. work on your anger management problem. Go to the theater. <laughs> yeah, but not that theater. <laughs> and then actually, this Greta, I think her name's Thunberg. Someone's gonna like tweet at me and be like, "It's yeah. you're pronouncing it wrong." It is. But she changed her Twitter bio to a teenager working on her anger management problem, currently chilling and watching a good old fashioned movie with a friend. Yes. <laughs> Way to go. Yeah. That is... You just stepped into the <laughs> landscape of the internet with a 16-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> that is perfect. But, Damn. Yeah. I don't know. How do you how do you feel about the whole, like, SNL, like, only doing, like, being so political at this point? Like, yeah. Like, Even... Uh, as, th- as a comedian yourself. Yeah. Same thing with... Uh, I love Stephen Colbert, but a lot of his show is right. political, and that's always been his angle. It's... It's a weird. Well, you can't not talk about it. Right. Someone has to. That do, I mean doesn't mean that your show has to. I wonder if SNL feels pressure to hit those topics because they always have, and it's just especially have they I, honestly like I don't have they historically always been like pretty talking about politics pretty consistently. Yeah, it, it seems like it. I mean, they, whatever whoever's president, they usually have someone on the cast who impersonates right, them and right. But it just seems especially over, since 2016 that comedy just can't live without. It's so poli- easy. But also, I don't know who, I don't know who even loves that type of comedy. If you ask anyone their favorite comedy show or genre of comedy, I, I doubt that anyone is gunning to hear political humor. Yeah, I don't know. That's true. It's not to say that you know I. To contradict what I just said, I loved the Colbert Report and Daily Show. And have you ever watched uh, John Oliver? Yeah, and John He's Oliver. Funny too. And he even, you know, obviously he'll always hit politics, but he also has those really in-depth right. things on, you know, he'll smash WWE yes. or yes. whatever else is going on. So that's, but, uh, and even I, if you have Daily Show or Colbert Report where you know, okay, this is, this is you know all what you're into. yeah it's like you know a fake news show about the news okay but then yeah when it's a late night show like colbert or snl where it can be anything it kind of is grading when the topic is always politics and 
also just kind of wears away at you. That's why a lot of my favorite stuff is the uh, just kind of absolutely about nothing or right. nothing real. Like Monty Python has always been a favorite of mine. Nice. And do you have a favorite Monty Python piece of media? Oh, just a you know, like a a, a video like a or a movie. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I would say I've, everyone's seen Holy Grail, and obviously I love Holy Grail. But if I was to recommend um life of brian is one of their other movies that's the like jesus yeah yeah yeah. super super cool and that's to i mean that's about you know that's not about nothing it's kind of parodying religion in a way and just it's more parodying how people react to religion sure from what i've in my opinion and so it's but yeah that movie is just I think a really good blend of real things and also some of the bits and characters are just purely yeah, silly. Right. There's also a really cool if you uh if you watch the movie, there's a YouTube video where John Cleese and uh hold for camera. <laughs> okay. One of the cameras went out. Uh yeah, one of the, a cool video on YouTube where John Cleese and Michael Palin, two of the Monty Python cast members, are on some talk show with like the Archbishop of Canterbury or something like you know whatever big high-ranking uh, church official from England and some other I forget who. But so basically they're getting interviewed and sure. kind of getting torn up for you know the church is saying this is direct offense you know ripping on we're making fun of jesus and the christian (laughs) church yeah yeah. and they have arguments that that's not the point of it that there's a lot more going on it's a really interesting and thought-provoking interview yeah totally worth looking up especially if you've watched the movie um because it is i think that they did a way more delicate job of handling the topic of religion than the than the accusers are saying right and I, I, that's another thing to go back to politics is with how much political content is being, political comedy content is being made. A lot of it's not even very careful. It's pretty just, you know, it's direct. It's this yeah. person said this, how dumb is that type of punchlines when I find it way more interesting when you can take the bigger topic and you really work with the intricacies. A little and, bit of finesse. Yeah, have some finesse about it and not even necessarily you know rip on the thing that you're pulling from you know where life of brian you could look at it as you know it's parodying a lot of things about christianity but also i mean it's not it's nothing heretical it's nothing right so it's they did a really careful job with it i think are you uh are you of the opinion that like comedy has like no like limits like there's nothing off Mm. limits when it comes to what you're making fun of essentially that has been asked especially in the past couple of years i've heard that and the idealist coming up it does yeah well more more than ever almost because we're at the peak of um offense and people being you know this cancellation (laughs) from people being offended what a, oh my all God, time what do they call the oh snowflakes yeah right <laughs> yeah <laughs> whatever you oh whatever you call it and yeah <laughs> the i the idealist comedian in me 
I and I think I believe this is a I think I believe this what, yeah. a, what a mild way to put it. <laughs> I I'm pretty sure I think this. Yeah. No, I do believe that comedy can handle any topic, any subject, but if it's done well and if it's done by the right people. I think the times when it's blatantly just wrong when people are doing you know whatever sketches or stand up and you're just like god dang it that's you know right just kind of cringy yeah cringy and it's because it's either the wrong person or they're just not handling it well right and well we'll get into it so to talk about yeah. some like dave Chappelle just had that special this year love it yeah that was obviously really controversial sure and i watched it twice right when it came out because you know, I was like, all right, I want to, people are... Because it was uh, good or because it was contra- controversial? I mean, both a little. I, d- I will say I I really liked it, but also it, it was just such a hot button thing. I was like, all right, I almost want to analyze and see what are people talking about in this and should, can I in good conscience say that I like this special? Because, okay. you know, I wanted to see, because people are offended by this. All right, do they have reason to say so? And I do think that some of the things in the special were like, gah, okay, you didn't handle that one well. I think a lot of the ones, he, a lot of the bits and jokes, I thought he handled them really in a way that, you know, he was talking about an issue that people just tighten their buttholes over. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. you you, break, you <laughs> mentioned the word and everyone's like, you can't talk about it at all. Yeah. And I, you know, I got to say, I disagree with that. But then, and you know, sometimes he'd handle the joke well. And then there were other ones where it was just blatant, like punch in the face of "here's what you think is offensive, and I don't care." Right. And I those punchlines I wish were, you know, had more of a literally punchlines. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wish they were done a little more carefully. So overall, I got to say that I like the, or at least appreciate the, the effort of, you know, let's talk about things let's break through this wall that we're creating where there are certain topics that you just cannot touch right uh you know i think it's limiting in a way but then you know i gotta i gotta say that he didn't handle all of them that well there was one in particular where he uh what was he does like a a stereotypical asian impression you know oh yeah does you just crazy exaggerated voice and you know manipulates his face and everything and that was one where i'm like all right you're doing this for the shock right there's not a whole you know there's nothing that uh productive (laughs) being said here i was like all right i wish you handled that one a little better well, yeah, and it's especially interesting with someone like him because you know he has thought out everything that he's about to do. He mm-hmm. knows exactly what he's doing, and he probably knows exactly how everyone's going to react to it because yeah. that's what makes Dave Chappelle Dave Chappelle. But, yeah, I mean, there was that guy, and that's what makes it so scary now because, like, I've thought about doing stand-up in the past. I'm kind of funny, <laughs> um, but, like especially doing stuff like this, you see stuff like that, that SNL guy, that, sh- that Shane. Shane guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know his name, but he, he did like kind of, he did like made fun of Asian people. And it, it was like, it was very like, Oh dude, like, yeah, what? Just don't do that. Yeah. And like even comedians have come out and been like, yeah, that was just bad. Like, but at the same time, 
it's tough to walk that line as a comedian. And at some point you need to find out where that line is by testing those waters. Exactly. But in a landscape like this, where everyone in order to make it needs to record themselves and upload it to the internet, like there's going to be things out there as a comedian who has learned where the line is that people are going to be able to be offended by. Exactly. That's <clears throat> And so it's like, it's like legitimately like scary. It's like, it is. What can I say? And as a comedian, that's just like a, a, a really weird thing to have to think. It is. And the other, an aspect of it, I mean, it's talking about who, who you are as such an influence on it, where Dave Chappelle being famous comedian, Dave Chappelle, and yeah. also, you know, known for edgy material. It's right. a, you know it's a little more palatable from him because you know what are you gonna cancel Dave Chappelle he's right. already done his career right it, you can't you can't touch him at this point whereas an up and coming comedian can have and like Shane I forget his Gillis or whatever it is yeah I think that was it um, his whole career I mean kaput he had a job on SNL and now he's I I doubt we'd ever hear from him again right so it is a uh, and I think a big part of that too, I think, I mean, him, him losing the job on SNL was because of what he said. I think him most likely not having much of a career afterward is because his apology was so crappy. Did you read, he had, he tweeted uh, an apology quote unquote. Uh, and it it wasn't even, it was more him standing Def- by what he yes, said. Yes, I do remember that. The sentiment of it was, I don't need SNL anyway. And it was kind of like, right. all right, so you haven't, you, you're showing no remorse for what he said and also shitting on SNL, which is a way bigger institution right. than he is. So yeah, this just is, handled it poorly. Yeah, this is his apology. I'm a comedian who pushes boundaries. I sometimes miss. If you go through my 10 years of comedy, most of it bad, you're going to find a lot of bad misses. I'm happy to apologize to anyone who's actually offended by anything I've said. My intention is never to hurt anyone, but I'm trying to be the best comedian I can be. And sometimes that requires risks. Yeah, that's trash. He had some other line, though, in there. It was something directly about... I don't watch SNL anyway or I forget what it was oh really yeah it was maybe it was a separate tweet yeah maybe but yeah it was uh that's brutal and I can even agree with I mean if you go to any open mic anywhere it's all the same a lot of people are saying pretty awful things and right and I at least can understand the the struggle of going up there with some material that you think, all right, this, and I've I've done this where I've got some jokes. I'm like, I, I think it's edgy, but I think it's all cool. And you try it out, and you're like, you know what? Nope, that yeah. missed big time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I get why. And sometimes you have to say it to to workshop yourself. And I think it's ridiculous to get well. Depending, obviously, there's a line where you can you know say something that's awful. But in an open mic type of workshop setting, it should be more open to messing up and saying some things and be like you know we're all trying and we're all figuring it out and right i i have more respect for that than a more polished set where if you say something shitty in a polished set then you've tested it you know and you still went through with it podcasts are weird because it's kind of free form thoughts Yeah. yeah but it is a weird uh 
it's a everyone's see it seems like a lot of comedians are pretty anxious about being very careful and i'm are you i a little bit and i well i'm not as worried because i usually don't talk about things that are very real or substantive right <laughs> for the most part i mean sometimes i'll i'm just i'll talk about a range of topics but yeah still i'm I am trying to be more conscious, though, about just editing, you know, and not not that I uh, am used to <laughs> saying edgy things, but right. it just it makes you think just in general about, all right, what am I what am I saying and who could this affect? Right. With anything you put out. Right. Yeah. And I definitely think there's an aspect of. Like, there's some comedians out there that'll be like, no, like, you can't tell me what to do. I'm a comedian. But it's mm-hmm. like, well, but at the end of the day, you're just a person who's talking in front of a bunch of people. So if you're just saying something shitty that, like, anyone would think is shitty, that it doesn't make it better that you're attempting a joke. Right. Like, yeah. So it's, it's tough. Bill yeah. Burr just had a special, too, right after Dave Chappelle's special that... Kind of didn't get as much press, but I would argue was even more edgy than Chappelle's. He goes in on a lot of, you know, it's mainly a lot of the edgier stuff he'll talk about is feminism and sure everything in that realm. And yeah, a lot of that, I mean, I've historically loved Bill Burr and this one some parts of it were cringy and I was god oh, dang it no. and I love still I mean still here's another big question is say you love a comedian because I, I I just faced this with Bill Burr love Bill Burr and then he does some jokes that I'm like I I disagree I don't, I don't think it's funny and I think it's more harmful does that mean I now have to hate Bill Burr right personally I think I would say no I think you can still enjoy right. the comedian even though it's a Obviously, there's a line where if they have said something so awful or and stand by it and are, you know, whatever extent you want to take it to. But I think a couple of shitty jokes doesn't mean you have to hate the entire comedian. Sure. And that's the thing a lot of people are uh, arguing about now with if, you know, Kevin Hart's another example where he had a a bad joke and kind of lost a lot of fans and a lot of career over it. And then, I mean, is that lost a lot of career? That's crazy <laughs> that that's a real thing. Yeah, it is. I mean, was going to host the, the Oscars. Yes. And then lost it. I mean, even I, I can look at the joke and be like, all right, you know, like I, I disagree with the joke. I disagree with what you're saying here, but then he seemed remorseful and he, apologized a million times and it's like all right can we can we watch kevin hart again now he's he's gone through that transformation and he's still a funny comedian sure it's it's a comedians are (laughs) facing i don't know yeah just uh, you're you can lose way more with so few words right now right one joke can take out everything else you've done so in that way, uh, people are right to be anxious, and I think that's yeah, <laughs> terrifying. Yeah, but the lesson I think is not necessarily because a lot of people are saying, "Well, just oh, I I can say whatever," and all right. these you know, 
And I think you have to be, your audience is your audience. And if this is the audience, then let's respond to that and just say, okay, now we all have to be more careful comedians who think things out more than than we used to. Sure. And it, it could become a positive for comedy, and we can still talk about these tough things, but a little more carefully. Yeah. That's that's very uh, <laughs> <laughs> well spoken, sir. I've been thinking about it because it, obviously it's a right. It's a it's like something you need to think about. It's whoa. Yep. 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 <laughs> yep. Of course, that's yep. Who's okay. calling? That's that's Jake calling in. He, <laughs> he wants to be a live guest. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> It's gonna be some patchwork in editing. Yeah, or not, or I'll just or make just everyone listen through it. Yeah, <laughs> that could also be good. Um, what do you think about speaking of <laughs> very sticky situations? Yeah, like the whole like like is it okay to like someone like Louis C.K. anymore? Like is That's it so is tough. it okay to like think he's funny still, or is that just like no, like you're just like canceled? Like I said. Yeah, that's. A tough one and different from, uh, well, he... Because that's something that, like, for the most part was very separate from him getting on stage and telling jokes, other than there was other comedians involved. Exactly, yeah, because his, you know, where a lot of comedians are getting in trouble for part of the craft, his was totally separate. Right. And his also was... I think way worse just than creepy. Just yeah, like, yeah, way Absolutely. worse than anything a a joke could do. Yeah, his was so. I obviously I'm I'm still I'm still thinking about it because, uh, in a way, I almost even if I try, I be honest, I haven't really watched Louis since I read that Neither big thing, and but I have seen little clips, and when I see him, that's all I think is what he did and it's kind of hard to laugh right because that's all you're thinking about right it's almost more of a natural reaction than a decided no we put him away and now yeah it's we're not allowed to listen to him so i don't know i've i'm philosophically i'm still weeding through it because right. part of me wants to think uh can we separate the artist from the person and you know, if an artist is a super shitty person, can we still appreciate the art? Sure. Tough part of it is that with stand-up comedy, your art is kind of who you are, and it just makes it hard to separate. Right. And yeah, I saw. Yeah, it's it's crazy because like the amount. It's like there's like the like the police are out there like no you can't like that you can't like it's like Jesus this mm-hmm. is so crazy I saw something online like. Vanessa Hudgens said that she like would like to work with Woody Allen at some point and everyone was like screaming at this girl and it's like oh my god like, wow it's it's just nuts and like I said it's just I the, I think about it and like like you said like I see like Louis has more or less dropped off the face of the earth yeah. like he was huge and then it was like oh I haven't seen him at all in six months yeah like, and I'm more or less okay with that because, yeah, that shit was wild that he did. Exactly, yeah. And but, yeah, it's just scary from from so, 
as as someone who is planning on having an entire career based off putting things out there, putting myself out there, yeah, it is. It's just scary to think about. It is, and I, with a somewhat side note, well, two side notes. He had that. Uh, he did have that comeback. Um, he was going to tour one year after the big expose came out. Okay, which I thought was too soon firstly but yeah. also he so he came out and th- did you hear about he got uh someone recorded a show that he was doing just on their phone and put it on youtube or something like that and one of his jokes obviously i mean it was he you as usual did some pretty edgy material and right. had some school shooting jokes and so a show that he wasn't even meaning to get taped someone leaked this and he kind of got canceled again yeah it would for his so he's just so off the face of everything right now that but my girlfriend who was living in new york uh at the time saw him on the street one time whoa and her words said that he looked terrified to be out in public he was walking his dogs outside of his apartment or something like that and she said he just looked scared to be out there yeah i can't imagine i mean you probably living, get screamed at yeah i would move to Montana, just <laughs> yeah, get yeah, out of there. That's <laughs> Doing jokes be. on the ranch, yeah. <laughs> but it is, it's yeah. I wonder. I guess he seems like the type of comedian that he's gonna try to come back at, at some point. I wonder how people are gonna react because he has enough of a fan base that people will come watch. Obviously, you know, people were at that show that he did, but I wonder how the. You know, would anyone put a special of his on right. would Netflix take that? Right. I doubt it. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, and there's I I mean there's there's people that I would have never like there's that like whole like Aziz thing. He like in his special like had like literally a formal apology. Yeah. He was like, I want to apologize because that like I guess he did some creepy shit with a girl and like Yeah, I heard about that. It's just like oh my, like everyone's just getting just taken out well, and it's new also because i mean comedians or any artists back in the day pre-internet social media could be super shitty people oh yeah and you never would know no never would have heard about it right it's tough to tell whether that is better or worse right because in a way we don't want to be obviously rise given these super shitty people a rise to fame and money and just keep doing the terrible things they're doing. Right. But then again, like I said, it's tough to separate the art from the artist. Right. And there's no, like when you see like, okay, you take a Z's and he did like a couple TV shows. He's this funny guy, did a couple interviews, hosted a couple things, had a couple specials. Then this creepy shit came out and it's like, no one has any context like no one has any real context of who he actually is yeah other than oh i know he's a comedian and also did that creepy shit right and now that's all i have to judge who he is as a person so yeah why not just move on to the next person that's true and yeah someone will gladly fill that space of a someone is dying to fill that space yeah so i mean good for up and coming comedians right. for these <laughs> yeah, just, big dudes to get canceled. <laughs> Keep being shitty people and we'll take those spots. Right. Sure. Um I wanna talk about we'll probably wrap this up in a little bit. Nice. Um I wanna talk about how did you like what was the thing that like you when did you first realize like I want to do comedy? I wanna like 
Was it more of like a I like making people laugh or like you like really liked a certain comedian or like mm-hmm. it was it seems to have been a blend and it's hard to pinpoint exactly what but I do remember being in third and fourth grade and I was secondary class clown status at a certain oh. point there was one dude who was he was the the more um I guess out there and loud and sure. you know puts himself on display and I filled the space of maybe once a month I would say something and hopefully get the class to laugh <laughs> yeah yeah so I and I so I do remember really liking that uh feeling but then also I got super into stand-up comedy pretty early on and I guess at some point it seemed like a not that big of a decision when I did the first open mic I ever did when I was 15. I was just kind of wow. like, there's a comedy club like two towns over, and I was watching a ton of stand-up, and I would write down jokes in the note section of my phone. And after, I mean, I remember writing those things for a year or two and being like, I have a lot of these. I'll try them, sure. And just kind of just kind of did it. And have been doing it How'd since How'd you then. do? Ter- terribly. Yeah. It re- was the worst. Uh, yeah, probably the worst I've ever done. It was the first, <laughs> <laughs> first show. I was up there for a full five minutes, and it was four minutes and 45 seconds of silence. The I got one laugh at the very, very end. Wow. But And the joke I did was, all I said was, this is my impression of a Call of Duty sniper. And I made, I probably can't do it on this mic, made like a heartbeat noise with my throat. Yeah. And that, and some people were like, oh, I get it. <laughs> that is but hilarious. I, I mean, absolute silence for four solid minutes and it was super bad. And then a month later I went back and with totally new stuff and did fine. And that was enough for me to be like, all right, I'll keep, I'll keep coming. Wow. So you weren't. Like what? What was the feeling leaving the first night? Just like was it complete discouragement, or was yeah. it like I need to come back and redeem myself? At first, there was a little bit of this sucks. Yeah. Like screw this. Yeah, like, yeah. just kind of like if that is an option, I don't want to ever do that again. But I think it took me a little bit of uh, healing time to come back home and let the let that defeat sink in and think about. Honest part of it, I think, was I've got all these other jokes, and like I wonder if it was just the jokes I did that right. made me want to try it again. Like, it's not me; it's I just had bad material, so that left, uh, you know, made me want to give it another shot. But yeah, it was super demoralizing. That really, <laughs> really stuck. It's terrifying. Like but, I said, I've thought about it in the past, and then I'm like, dude, but like I actually don't think I could ever like get up like i don't there's like where do you even start like what like you just like how do you how did you write your first set um that first set i guess uh <laughs> i'm pretty sure my first set i told stories like one about like getting a physical and then another one about getting my pants pulled down at a grocery store <laughs> neither were very funny but yeah. obviously no one laughed yeah, um, right. and <laughs> I don't even remember exactly how I went. I think at that time I tried to write out all of the jokes on paper because, you know, not knowing what the process was. I actually, you know what I did? I read, I asked for Christmas the year before 
or I guess it was a couple months before I did my first open mic for a, some book about like a how-to on stand-up comedy by this woman, Judy Carter. I'm pretty sure that's her name. And uh, it's just like, here's how you write jokes. And I yeah, so yeah. I followed these formulas of storytelling and here's where the punchline goes and that kind of thing. And not to say that the content of the book isn't helpful because you know it is if you apply it well, but I was using that to help structure me right and i was just way so stiff just right it was just really stale as a result of that there was no uh just no flair to it at all sure so that that didn't help but i will say i'm kind of glad that i started with a big loss because firstly i've done the worst and i can handle that again and it's it's a good place to be when you kind of get used to not get used to failing, but become accept failing and be cool with some jokes not going well or entire sets not going well, because you get up again tomorrow or next week or whenever it is and you kill it or it's, right. it's all over the place. So I I often encourage people because I got friends like you and other people who are like yeah I really want to try it and just. But I don't know. It sounds so intimidating. It's like right. go up there. M- maybe you'll suck. Probably you'll suck if it's the first time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That happens. But then you break that seal, and now boom, you're off to the races. You can do open mics anywhere. Right. Every other week you'll suck, and it, you slowly and slowly get better. And sure, you know. Yeah, and it's and that's kind of what makes it tough for me to want like fully want to commit to doing it. Is like it's it's really like I remember in like sixth seventh grade. Like people being like, you're, you're so funny. You should be a comedian. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, what's that? You know? Yeah. And like, so obviously that's in the back of my mind, but it's not like, it really isn't like a dream of mine. Like it, it, and I feel like to be willing to like put myself through like a potential <laughs> like bomb, like I'm going to get on stage and no one's going to laugh for me to like, it's tough for me to like want to go do that when at the end of the day, I'm like. I, that's not like my dream like but that's something i think's really cool and that i think i might be good at but that's true yeah that's a i have also had that thought you'd leave a crappy show and be like do i really want this right. <laughs> yeah yeah right that's true if you don't then yeah why why go through right sitting through a two and a half hour open mic on a weeknight you know if if that's not something you're trying to do then yeah don't right no worries yeah <laughs> other yeah, things right. to do yeah and that's like um it's not like something that i'm like i need to go do this I'm like ah yeah but like i'm like yeah that'd be fun but i'm never like all right next wednesday yeah. i'm doing it you know <laughs> yeah and then no, that's true because it's such a it is a gigantic commitment if you're really trying right. to go for it and i'm even on the i mean i fluctuate i but i have plenty of know plenty of people who are on that four or five nights a week open mic grind crazy and i i just know that that would drive me nuts and i i also like to i'm at a point now where i like to have a stand-up night and here i do improv this night and then i put out a video this day and kind of nice keep that portfolio diversified sure which might be a bad idea because maybe I want to focus on one, right. but I'm enjoying Real Charles it. Charles Schwab of comedy. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it spread. <laughs> but I figure as long as, as long as you are enjoying 
what you're doing, sure. then what's the loss? You know, if I, I reached that point with stand up especially, uh, cause sometimes you feel super anxious about it and get pretty sick of it. And some people burn out on stand up. I have friends who are like, all right, I'm taking a year off of stand up because wow. I can't. Yeah. I know like a friend in New York who was doing a lot of it and then was just like, I need to, I need to take a break. And I never wanted to feel that with any of these because I really love, obviously, all the different types of comedy I'm doing. So kind of my motto has always been just doing it insofar as I'm enjoying it. And that doesn't mean to get lazy about it and just say, I'd rather, I don't feel like it tonight, it's too scary. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But, you know, keeping, it just helps me keep my sanity and also remind myself why I'm doing this. You know, because I love doing it and I got stuff I think I want to say and if if it reaches reaches a point where I'm just doing the same set because oh, I got to do the, another set and you just lose your mind drive yourself crazy right exactly yeah because that's really all I've ever known is like I mean and that's why I've done podcasts and that's why I wanted to be a filmmaker and like I just all I've really known is like oh I really like making people happy that's mm-hmm. like that's all I know and like so the last couple of years have just been me like kind of going down these different avenues of like, okay, how, what do people like? And can I do that? Yeah. Like trying things and failing (laughs) like this camera shutting off for the 18th time. (laughs) Just the, the tech is go. This is why we need to get ditch the internet. Yeah. Right. (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's tough. And that's like, it goes back to the comedy thing. Like, Oh yeah, I think like I could do that maybe, but yeah, it's, it's tough. Like yeah. you just gotta just keep going, I guess. Yeah, and it it gets better the more yourself is put into it, the more you it is, it seems. Stand up sure. especially, that seems to be the case with podcasts and improv even. Is it's just a, at least I think of my stand up writing as I wanna get to the point where I feel totally just myself up there and it's just you know, obviously I wanna polish it. But that's when you can be the most free and probably when you hit the hardest is right. when you're just doing your thing. Absolutely. All right. Well, Steven, <laughs> we've shared some laughs. Yes. This has been a wonderful episode. Thank, thank you. you so much for coming on. Dude, do you have you like Instagram tags and other LinkedIn yeah, stuff? Like, I'll, go, do you want to, you want to plug yourself for a second here? The promotions I will, I will say at AJ and Steven on Instagram if you're into some quick, insane comedy videos. Inside Home Depot. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Many other odd places. And then on LinkedIn, well, <laughs> Steven Kip on LinkedIn or the LinkedIn influencer. I'm on Twitter as the LinkedIn influencer, but just look out for it. I'm putting it on YouTube also. Nice. Just check out that character. Awesome. And that's all. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a great time. Heck yeah. All right. See you guys.